We do a lot with talent. I have executive talent director that just works on people, never works in the business. You know, we're very intentional about selecting the right people for the right role. We systematically identify talent and spend a significant amount of time reviewing our succession planning chart every Monday. So we want to make sure that we always have a, a pipeline of talent that's being developed. Welcome to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. Successful leaders make building healthy culture a priority. Meet other leaders who are building a culture where people want to stay and know how to win together. Hey leaders, welcome back to Build Your Culture Brand. I have with me today A.J. Roller from uh, the Chick-fil-A in Markham and University in Little Rock, Arkansas. So glad to have you on the show, A.J. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. So just a quick rundown of your, you know, your background, uh, A.J., um, you you actually started the McCain Mall there in Little Rock, Arkansas in 2019. And just what, six, seven months before COVID. So we're going to get into that story a little bit. But then uh, you were awarded the uh, the drive through only location there on Markham and University in Little Rock in um, 2021. So but there's some other interesting backstory to your your business career, your entrepreneurial uh, journey. You started lawn care business as a as a young man, as a, you know, growing up at home, and and also you started a um, a service business for restaurants right before you know you were in the the Chick Fil A business. And so I want to hear a little bit about that. But you got some advice from your dad one day. You're you're really growing your lawn care business. You can tell a little bit about how you grew that. But then you had a, a kind of an epiphany moment with your dad. I'd love to, for you to share that story. Yeah. So dad came home one day. We had about an acre lot inside town. Um, and he was real particular about it being mowed with a stadium cut. And he gets home, looks at it, and it was mowed with a stadium cut, but the lines weren't straight. They were all crooked. And um, so he looks at it. And looks at me and he says, you know, it's the middle of the summer. I'm dripping sweat. Felt like it was 120 degrees about like this week outside. And so I had spent, you know, a couple hours, two, three hours out there mowing it with a little Honda push mower that was not self-propelled. I'm having to push the, you know, so it was uh, pretty manual, uh, manually intensive for a, a 10, uh, 11 year old, whatever age I was. And um, we step back and look at it and the lines are crooked. And he says, you know, are you? are you proud of that? And I couldn't look at that and say with a straight face, honestly, that I'm real proud of that. I mean, the lines are all over the place. So common sense says, no, I'm not proud of that. It, it looks like, um, it, lo it looks very unprofessional and it looks like you know, my, my grandmother just came out here and mowed it or something. Okay. Uh, and, uh, so anyways, we look at it and, um, I, I said that, I mean, I, I got it done. It's cut it's complete, you know, it's hot out here. I want to go inside. And, uh, <clears throat> he said, okay, well, would you put your name on it though? That's what I asked you. And I looked at him and, and he said, if you put your name on this, then, you know, that's what you're going to represent. And that's what you're going to, you're going to put your name on that quality of work the rest of your life. So if you're proud of that work, you can come inside. And, um, then he walked away. And so I'm just standing there, uh, <laughs> drip, dripping, dripping sweat and, and hot summer sun. And, and uh, long, long story short, it taught me a lesson because I ended up mowing again, straightening the lines up. It looked clean, looked cut. Had about, you know, 
felt like I went through about 100 ounces of water in that next two hours to try to get it done. But I completed the job. It looked great. It taught me a valuable lesson about do the right thing the first time and you don't have to come back and fix it. Um, no matter how challenging it is, no matter how difficult it might feel in the moment, it's always easier to do it right on the front end than catch up on the back end. So it's a good lesson for me. That is, a, I love it because first of all, I, I know your dad and, and I've worked with him before overseas on some projects. And so uh, he's a dear friend. And, and so knowing that story, knowing, you know, kind of how he, how he was ingraining that excellence in you. And that was also the baseball, I mean, the stadium cut was something you'd done for other customers. He was wanting to know, right. are you going to do that at home? So that's, right. that's really good. So left your signature a little, little straighter after that. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> that's awesome. Good deal. Well, you, you went on though to build a, a business and, and I want to kind of focus on this business because this is what Chick-fil-A looked at to consider as you, as they were considering you as an owner operator, they really looked pretty deep into the business you had created. Tell us a little bit about the service business you were doing and how that propelled you forward into being an operator. Yeah. So a little backstory on the service business. My senior year in college, the founder of ESPN came and spoke to us at a business class in the lecture hall of about 500 students. And, um, you know, he's talking about what it took uh, to start ESPN. And at the end of it, he was curious, just show of hands, you know, had people go around and raise your hands up. If you're going into the healthcare industry, people raise their hand. If you're going into, you know, insurance, sales, um, dental, about every career path you could think of, he went down and then he got to the service business and out of about 500 people in the room, nobody raised their hand. And I knew right then and there, cause, uh, I knew right then and there I needed to be in the service business because I, I grew up, my dad was a high school basketball coach. So I grew up in a very competitive home. I was born and raised in a gymnasium, um, was in, um, in leadership my whole life from a small town, blue collar, um, but as point guard on the basketball team, quarterback on the football team, shortstop on the baseball team, played college basketball, played college baseball, and um, just was really wanted to be in business because it was the closest thing that I had found to competitive sports. You know, it's the, it's the ultimate competitive sport. It's 365 right. days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so I didn't really care what business I got into. I just wanted to learn business. And I was around enough business people to, to know that uh, you can take um, you can take one business. And although the uh, the service or the the trade might be a little bit different, business is business at the end of the day and you can duplicate how you run that. And I had some examples in my life that I got to see that from, from restaurateurs to people who own gas stations and roofing companies and tree services business, tree service businesses. Then my dad and his brothers, they started a technology business, all guys that were, you know, born out in West Texas. And my grandfather's from Oklahoma and they started a technology business and all of them had physical education background. You know, they were all coaches. And so I got, got to see that scale from about five people to, you know, five, 600 people. And so I knew that at the end of the day, the service business was an easy entry for me. I had $150 in my bank account, um, got on Craigslist, bought a vacuum. I knew um, I wasn't afraid of hard work and was going to just pull up my bootstraps, get after it. And so I just put a suit and tie on and started going around to commercial office buildings, asking if I could clean their building. And it took me, you know, three, four months to get my first account. First account was uh, I believe $65 a week 
and I cleaned it once a week while I was working at a restaurant on the side. It was a very, um, you know, high volume restaurant, Lambert's Cafe. And um, <clears throat> so I got to see a little bit of the restaurant business and I love serving people. I love creating, uh, I love the entertainment aspect to, La to Lambert's and making people feel, um, you know, like the restaurant, and Dan Kathy talks about this, a place of restoration. And I just love that um, idea of, of, of making people feel like, hey, whatever you got going on in your life right now, when you're here at the restaurant, um, you know, you kind of forget about all that. You're just focused on having a, having a good time. And and uh, and so was 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 drawn to that from my time at Lambert's. But Lambert's allowed me to pay off fifty two thousand dollars worth of student loan debt in one year. So I did Lambert's, was building my business on the side, had that one account, then I got a second, and then I got a third, and I, I really tried to keep a tight circle. So the accounts that I was targeting were all within, you know, half a mile or less, and then we started getting a little, we started broadening that, that nucleus uh, a mile, two miles, three miles, four miles out, so we could maintain profitability, because uh, time is money in the service business. And um, so, so grew that from, you know, a, a small very small cleaning business with just me uh, got to a point where I was working 40, 50 hours a week cleaning buildings. And then I was working 40 hours a week at Lambert's as well. So wow. easily 80, 90 hour weeks for a year to pay off my student loan debts. Um, and then my wife kind of had to pull me out of Lambert's because I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed the restaurant and I just enjoyed working. And, uh, but I knew that my cleaning business, which later turned into an all-out facility management company, we didn't just do cleaning. Uh, long story short, it grew 100% debt-free into a multimillion-dollar company across five states in 10 years. And Chick-fil-A, we had about 200 clients when we sold, and Chick-fil-A was 14 of our clients. But we did everything from restaurants to 24-hour um, a day, seven-day-a-week um, health clubs. We did doctor's offices, law offices. We had auto zones across North Texas, Oklahoma, Northwest Arkansas. We had gas stations, convenience stores. So I really got to see a broad um, base of different businesses. And uh, so I was great, really grateful for that. But um, we built that with about 50 people. Um, and it was just a lot of, uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of hard work, but a lot of fun. That's amazing. Great story. And what a entrepreneurial spirit you have, even from 10 years old, all the way through, through that moment. And so then, then comes Chick-fil-A and you, you start this interview process with Chick-fil-A. I think you said you had 20 interviews. And then when it came time for the, the in-person interview, something unusual happened. What, what was that? Yeah. So it was really unique because I was living in Northwest Arkansas and franchise selection during that interview, uh, to my surprise, they didn't want to come to Northwest Arkansas and interview me. Uh, they, they said, Hey, we want to go to Tulsa. And, you know, I graduated high school from Tulsa, a little bitty town outside Tulsa Vertigris high school. And, um, so I'm, I was very familiar with Tulsa, but at the same time, I thought it was kind of interesting because it's, you know, hour and a half hour and 45 minutes from where I lived in up in Northwest Arkansas. And, um, they wanted to, they wanted to meet with my clients, some of the clients that I had there, and they wanted to meet some of my employees. So that was very much a turning point for me in my, um, operator journey or pursuing to become an operator in that journey, I guess I should say 
because that was kind of all, all my chips are on the table now with, with my team and this business that I started from, from nothing from scratch. Um, so this was like a family business and I went ahead and, and did it, you know, told my team what was going on and, uh, we did things the right way. Uh, once I got selected, I can go into that if you, if you'd like, but once I get selected, I'll tell briefly that we really, we had, uh, over, over 25 offers on our business in, in one week and we, we took the third highest offer. So the financial part wasn't as important to me as finding the right fit for the people that were loyal to us and helped us build that company. And so uh, Rob Finley with Arkansas Game and, and uh, Fish Commission, he ended up uh, buying it and took really good care of our people and gave them actually more opportunity than I could have just because of the, um, uh, just because of the resources that he had. So it ended up going as smooth as we could have, uh, if we, as we could have hoped for. So good for you. Yeah. I just thought that was fascinating how they, how they did the interview a little bit differently with you. And so good job. Hey, AJ, one question I like to ask just to help our listeners uh, learn a little bit about your leadership style. And I use this idea, you know, from the, the superhero world of what's your superpower, what's your kryptonite. So when you think about leadership, what would be something that you would say helps you stand out as a leader? And then what kind of works against you, your superpower and your kryptonite? Yeah, it's a good question. Every blessing, there's a curse. Every curse, there's a right. blessing. My leaders right. uh, hear me say that all the time. So um, <clears throat> I don't know. I'd say my superpower, if I had to say something, is just my ability to overcome adversity. It's created a high level of resilience for me, resiliency for me throughout my life. Um, you know, going back to growing up a small town, blue collar, coach's kid, to, you know, growing up in the church and seeing my parents raise my brother and I in the church and then them getting divorced when I was 14 years old. Um, and having to overcome that all throughout my high school and college. And, um, you know, that was, that created a lot of resiliency in and of itself, just that, let alone, you know, the athletic background and blue collar and sports and, and all of that. So, um, I think that that has been a huge part of why I've had success in business. So you got that resiliency, then what, what's the thing that kind of works against you? Your, your, what you might call your kryptonite. I would say I'm pretty guarded. I play things close to the chest. Um, okay. And sometimes, um, <clears throat> you know, that, that's one of my kryptonites. And then another one is uh, I can just become a consumed with work and just focus on work. Um, so, like I said, to every blessing, there's a curse. That's right. <laughs> every curse, there's a blessing. You know, and, and I can see how resiliency and, and that guardedness can really work together now those that resiliency though worked in your favor in your first assignment with Chick-fil-A and you were, you were given a, a mall location there, McCain mall in, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And it was like seven months before COVID every mall operator struggled the more than anybody during COVID. And, and so uh, more than anybody in the, in the Chick-fil-A industry that is. And so uh, share with us a little bit about what happened in those two years and, uh, and then you, you had some innovations in there. I'd love to hear about too. So tell us the McCain mall story. Sure. So many stories that I could tell about McCain mall, uh, looking back on it, I'm really grateful for that. Cause I got to learn Chick-fil-A and, um, you know, so I got to, got to learn that at a low volume. We were the lowest volume mall in the Southwest region. Um, when I inherited it 
knew it was going to be a dog fight. Um, and so got in there, you know, rolled up my sleeves, uh, created buy-in in a similar way that I did at Markleman University. And it's just, you know, getting in there, being there every day, working hard, outworking everybody. Nobody's going to outwork me whenever I uh, take over a situation like that. And that's kind of the mantra or mentality that I've had in all of my businesses is um, I'm not, you know, going to be the smartest guy in the room, but I- I'll outwork anybody. And then when the time comes, I'll outwill everyone. And I've taken that approach um, in, in my cleaning business, the lawn care business, and then I took it into McCain Mall. And uh, fortunately, had a great team, great community that bought in. Uh, North Little Rock is a very blue-collar community, so it was a great fit for me. And those kids, a lot of them were kids, they, uh, they, they bought in. And we turned it around, overcame a lot of adversity um, through, I mean, we had fires, we had mall closures, we had traumatic events. We're in a fight. And every day that I pulled up to the mall, I felt like um, I had to prove something, not just to myself, but I had to prove something uh, to my team because I knew it was a great opportunity. Most of them came from broken families. Most of them came from really challenging situations that were not white collar situations and they had never seen somebody overcome obstacles or been a part of something a team that had over overcome obstacles and so really um it it was a tough year and a half two years but you know uh, we made it out of it and fortunately i had a business consultant at the time that i think really resonated with me and, and believed in me and went to bat for me when a food truck opportunity came open he had saw what we had done in that first seven months we still grew sales we grew transaction counts we drew check grew check average we brought the ipo down did all those things trying to control what we could control uh, but then we got a food truck and when i got that truck um i said you know what um i got nothing to lose here and took I took about $35,000 of my own money and and bought a catering van, uh, bought a POS system, uh, drove around Arkansas, the whole state, and got 30 business licenses in 30 different communities. Spent a lot of time um, meeting with chambers of commerce and city councils. And, uh, you know, this food truck had to get uh, permitting done in every one of these towns. So fire inspection, had to find a place to park it. Uh, every city has a different uh, sales tax percentage that they require. So I had to build that into our back office system and then we had to market it. And so started off really small and um, started close to my mall in Sherwood for the first two weeks. So just so we could work out the kinks and build our operational expectations and systems and processes and so on and so forth. But at any rate, we were able to grow it and scale it. And I think in our first month of business, we, um, we, we did over a hundred and $130,000. Wow. Awesome. Um, so yeah, it, it became a huge part of our business at McCain mall. And then we opened up 12 curbside spots in addition. So, um, took the mall from a one point, just under a $1.2 million mall, uh, to just under a $3 million mall. Um, so that's incredible. I, I remember there was a time in there, AJ, where, you know, I think there were 14 trucks in the chain at the time. And, and I think you were, you hit number one there for a while, didn't you? Yeah, we were, we were kind of back and forth between one, two and three. Okay. So, so yeah. Well, good for yeah, you. But what a, what a story of resiliency. I mean, that, 
I, I know there are operators out there right now that can resonate with some of those struggles, maybe not nearly all of those, but what an incredible story of, of uh, rising in, in the midst of a challenge and a difficult time. And then that set you up for an opportunity that came pretty soon thereafter in 20, you know, end of 2020, I think you and I were talking in there, in there and, and then you, you received or were awarded their 2021 Chick-fil-A Markham University, which is a, a drive-through only. And so maybe explain a little bit about, you know, that journey of taking over that location that was an existing and I think it had been a freestander. They dropped it down to a DTO. Isn't that right? So um, what was it? Yeah. Tell a little bit about what's been going on since that uh, new adventure. Markham University was a huge blessing because I wasn't planning on that opportunity to come. The operator that was there before had been there for 14 years and did a fantastic job. Um, but you know, he got an opportunity closer to where he lived over in West Little Rock. And ironically, uh, I lived in Midtown. So I lived about a mile and a half away from the restaurant that I'm at right now. And um, <clears throat> so when that when that opportunity came available, I jumped on it, uh, had talked to some other operators that were veteran operators in the chain. that had been you know, with the brand for a long time and uh, knew there's some other opportunities coming in the state and in the southwest region. Uh, we kind of wanted to stay here. And um, but after speaking with those operators, you know, it was just very clear to me that there's no guarantees that those are, those are, um, green dots on a map, so to speak. Uh, and this was a guarantee that was right in front of me, right down the road. I'd already moved, moved eight times in 10 years. This is a facility management business. You know, we were in Northwest Arkansas, Springfield, Missouri, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma city, Dallas, Texas. And so I was running all over the place trying to get that thing going. And then we moved down here or in a rental our first year, bought a house, uh, back in the Heights, Kamek Village area. And so it was just the thought of moving and starting over again, especially, I just felt like we had something that we were really building that could be special, that people in our community and on our team could resonate with. Yeah. Um, everyone on my team knew that nothing had been handed to me. And I, I didn't want to leave that. And yeah. nothing was handed to them. They've had to earn everything. And so we've had some of those people that have transitioned. Actually, the success rate of a lot of people going from a, a mall to a, uh, a freestander is not super high, but we've been able to have a lot of people make that transition. And I think uh, that's one of the the biggest um, accomplishments, I guess, if you want to call it, that I'm most proud of is uh, have some really tough-minded people that have been able to overcome obstacles and adversity and different situations and different environments and adapt to those. And so um, Markman University, like I said, was right down the road, applied for it fortunately um got it the thought that it, the idea of it being a dto was very intriguing to me um anybody who knows me knows that i'm i like to go really fast fast paced i don't like stagnant and so um, there's really not a, an opportunity with chick-fil-a that's more fast paced we're um, anywhere from a top 20 to top 50 drive through in the chain in terms of transactions just depending on the month so we're moving cars in and off our lot and uh, the goal is seven seconds at the window and gone. And, and I've had some great consultants from Chick-fil-A that have helped our team with that and understanding the opportunity that we have to grow our influence in the community, grow our opportunity in our organization. Um, by doing that, it's a different form of hospitality that we show in a DTO than it is in a dining room setting. 
And so we've just tried to have fun with that and get creative on how we can add value to the guests uh, in, in different ways. But um, it's been a great store. We've seen it go to seven, eight million, nine million. This year we'll do nine and a half to ten. Um, and uh, we're doing, a, uh, you know, attacking outside sales pretty aggressively as well. In addition to that, so just yeah, a lot of the, exciting things going. You're on. in that medical district, and that that gives you a lot of opportunity there for catering, I guess. Yeah. So a huge reason that I applied for it was the medical district. As I told selections and the area director when I was going through the process, why I was interested in this area. And not only that I live here, it's there is, um, this is the largest medical corridor in the state of Arkansas. Um, so UAMS is right down the road from us. Baptist is down the road from us. St. Vince, the VA, Arkansas Children's, all in our back door, uh, the state capitol. Uh, there's more people with a college degree in Midtown Little Rock than anywhere else in the state. Markham University intersection is the uh, most heavily trafficked intersection in the state of Arkansas. So the cars are here. Our lot's not ideal, honestly. It's on the side of a hill um, right in front of Park Plaza Mall. But, you know, we've the view, I guess the approach that we've taken with our lot is people are never going to be waiting on Markham if we get people off quick enough. So uh, our lot a lot of times looks empty, but it's not because they're not coming through. It's because we're moving them so fast. That's awesome. Uh, well, the day you got the keys, you you made a big investment. You chopped down the trees in the front, right? It was you just did a you got the keys on a Sunday and had a tree crew there because you wanted visibility. But you've done some other things on the property to create an experience too. What are if if I go through your drive through, what am I going to see? If you come through our drive through, and I'm glad that you touched on that. I'll come back to that in a second. But uh, if you come through our drive through, you, you're gonna uh, you're gonna feel a vibe. So there's music, there's palm trees, there's water features. Um, it, it's a place that, you know, we really want people to feel like they're, they are being restored and we, we can't love on them in the dining room. So that's not an option. But what we can do is we can make them feel something when they come through the drive through that and hopefully enhances their day and makes their day a little bit brighter. Um, with us being in the medical district, you know, there's a lot of people here that are going through um, sorrow, they're, they're going through dealing with grief or even the doctors, nurses, surgeons, uh, they're pretty highly stressful jobs. And so if we can create just a brief moment of restoration for somebody through a song, through a, a smile, obviously, uh, we're going to give the Chick-fil-A hospitality, but through other little things with flowers and, and waterfalls, I mean, I've spent, you know, more money than I probably care to announce on here <laughs> on Right. On, on, on landscaping and, and guest experience. But, uh, but, but, but yeah, uh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun creating that, um, being able to create that here. So when I, when I took over the location, you know, there's huge trees that were blocking the signage from Markham and university. So if you're coming down Markham heading West, that's where the hospitals are. The majority of the traffic, you could, you couldn't even see the sign. The tree was blocking it. And there's another landscaping bed um, whenever you pull out that was just very overgrown and um, kind of the same thing. You, you, you couldn't you couldn't really tell it was a lot and it didn't seem like it was a place where you would want to be. Honestly, and we're next to um, we're next to low income housing and a, and a funeral home and a gas station that's closed down. So already a lot of things working against us, but took the approach of like, hey, how can we stick out here and be a light? kind of a lighthouse to the community. And so our store and the surroundings and the grounds, they really don't match the area that we're around. 
um, uh, at all. So, um, so we cut those trees down and cleared all that landscaping out. Literally when it turned midnight, I had a tree service company and a landscaping, uh, business that, that was ready to go. Cause I couldn't do anything before I officially took over. Um, but they, they cut all the trees down overnight and our transaction counts shot up, uh, double, double digits overnight. So that's incredible. So big, big ROI there. Oh yeah. Huge ROI. And a lot of, cause a lot of people in Midtown that are at the hospitals, they don't live in Little Rock. They're from around the state. And so they don't know Chick-fil-A's there. Sure. Um, so wanted to be able to create that visibility. And, and fortunately, yeah, we had, we had a good ROI on it. Well, tell me something that's unique about the culture you've built there with your team. What, what's something that would be uniquely special about your culture? You know, I, I asked my director team this because I wanted to get their feedback. And I had written something down before I asked them. And it, it gave me a lot of uh, solitude and gratification Every, every director gave me a very similar answer to what I wrote down. And, you know, I, I just put, and I don't want to uh, mess it up, I just put kind of some of the things that they said. We're champions for the underdog. We're very action-oriented. We run and gun, extremely gritty with a ton of heart. We're constantly trying things out. We're not afraid of failing. We're becoming more and more strategic in how we go about our brand of business. We have a very diverse team. We have city, country, different ethnicities, a broad socioeconomic background have incredibly high emphasis on food safety. And then above all, one thing that kept coming up is we really just don't make any excuses. We look in the mirror every day. And so they kind of summed it up in, in, in I think, that better than I could have. <laughs> that, what a tribute. What a tribute for, you know, what you're building, what they're building. It sounds like they own that. So, you know, it's 100%. not something you're just feeding down to them. They're, they're actually sharing it back up at you. That's awesome. They, they own it and they've rallied behind it because they're all underdogs. And so we're, we, we've really been able to feed off of each other and, and uh, we got, we have a chip on our shoulder for sure every day in a good way. <laughs> a good, a good chip on the shoulder. That's good. Well, what's one way that you prioritize development? We, we do a lot with talent. I have executive talent director that just works on people, never works in the business. Um, is just dealing with people. And I can spend a lot of time with people, but I can't spend all my time on people. I have other things that I have to do. And so, you know, we're very intentional about selecting the right people for the right role. We systematically identify talent um, and spend a significant amount of time um, reviewing our secession planning chart every Monday. Uh, so we wanna make sure that we always have a, a pipeline of talent that's being developed. Uh, we're, I wanna be three deep at uh, shift manager front of house daytime, three deep shift manager nighttime. Um, I want to be three deep in trainers, three deep in team leaders. Um, we have coordinators that are, are mentoring someone else to eventually take their role because we'll probably flip their responsibilities in two or three years. And the same thing for directors. Our executive director of operations is mentoring and, and leading a director team. And hopefully one of those directors will eventually be our director of operations and our ops director, you know, will, will, grow with the businesses and expand. So we're very intentional about getting ahead of talent. And we do things like, um, uh, and, I, and I could talk on talent for a long time, but we do things like monthly classes. We have a new team member training class. We have a 
uh, critical conversations and performance class. We have a meaningful coaching and influence class. Uh, we have a director of organizational talent class. Um, and these things are on the calendar every month. And through our succession planning and our, our, our weekly director meetings, our Monday meetings, um, we're, we're, you know, plugging who's, who's going to go into this class, who's going to, and it's not just a, an hour class. It's a, it's a five, six hour class. And then there's, so there's an element of classroom time where they can understand clearly what it's going to take to be successful in the role. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, they're going to get, have some hands-on one-on-one uh, -on -one time where they can just shadow, they can shadow a manager, they can shadow a trainer, shadow a team leader and ask questions in that process. And we're not depending on them in operations whatsoever. They, they're just, um, yeah, they're just shadowing. So that's amazing. So when you're, when you're looking at these, these development levels, what are some things that help you know that someone's ready to move forward? alignment with our not only our purpose our purpose is the brand purpose um so positive influence faithful stewardship um but they're in alignment with our vision which is to be midtown little rock's most caring company by pursuing excellence because i don't think that you can show high levels of care without pursuing excellence so if it's somebody that is not pursuing excellence already they're not going to probably be a great fit for a manager role um they're not going to probably be a great fit for a team leader role. And then we have core values that we don't just have on a board. We talk about them every week and I speak into them almost every week. So one, you can imagine one of our core values is we don't make excuses. We pursue what's next. We're better together. We're purpose driven and we don't gossip. We have a strict no gossip policy, um, which has helped uh, our culture out tremendously. Um, our team, we have 116 people on our team right now. Uh, they know that they're going to be heard if they have an issue. And we've built that a system for that. We have a smart sheet system, and QR codes all throughout our restaurant where nobody blindsides anybody anymore. Our team members, our directors, our managers don't blindside each other. They scan the QR code if they have a concern and a list of about 10 different items from scheduling to promotions to um, it, new ideas, suggestions, feedback. Um, I mean, there's, there's a litany of different things that they can select from, and then they can select the person that is responsible for it or that they want to see it. And the way that the system is built out, the team doesn't know this, I don't say anything, but the way that it's built out is, um, if somebody clicks on my name for a scheduling issue, uh, or concern that they have, um, they click on my name, but it automatically filters over to our talent director and our scheduling team. And so I can see what's going on, but they're going to be assigned ownership over it. And once they have ownership, you know, we have our own internal dashboard that we've built out. And so they can, they can click on it that they, they've seen it, they claim it, it's in progress, it's not started, um, or it's on hold. And the team member sees, they see that. And so, um, that's helped with our productivity and our efficiency. And I think just our team feeling, feeling heard, feeling cared for. And we're constantly telling them like, Hey, we want, we want you to grow here. Same thing with development path. It's clearly laid out. Our pay structure is clear, clearly right, laid out. We're not trying to hide anything. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm actually giving them as much information as I, as I possibly can, uh, withholding very, very little. So, so and I've got about transparency and you know, just that clarity, clear development path. And it sounds like you've had people quickly being able to move up through the ranks and, 
and really be able to win even the so you have this team of underdogs that's ready to roll and roll right through your organization what an incredible story aj i hear i hear whispers of a of a statement from your past you know as you described that and and it's almost like i can hear jim your dad saying hey is this is this something you want to put your name on and uh sounds like this is something worthy of putting your name on I, I can see that, and I appreciate you bringing that up. So, uh, I, I can see that as well. It's um, that's definitely there. Good job, AJ. This has been tremendous. I love your story. I really wanted the world to be able to hear your entrepreneurial journey and hear about even even the challenges. You know, one of the questions I typically ask is, "What is a a failure that ended up propelling you forward?" But I, I feel like your story is just, it's not really failure, but it's this adversity that you've been able to just overcome and push through and show that resiliency that you talked about as your superpower. And, uh, but I also have noticed that, you know, you said the one thing that works against you is you're kind of guarded, but yet you've really built, you know, a group of people around you and advisors. And I see you reaching out for, you know, advice from various people around you, building that team of of advisors. So sounds like you're, you're overcoming the, the kryptonite side too. So I appreciate that. There's been a lot of failures and there's failures every single day. So I definitely don't want to uh, come across that there hasn't been, there, there's been a lot. Um, but you know, the, my, my core philosophy in business has, hasn't changed. And, and I, I've, I have three pillars that I've used since my cleaning business. And it's, um, I have to be passionate about it or I'm not going to pursue it. I'm not going to, I can't, I can't put my name on something I'm not passionate about. And, you know, I, the other one is you talk about having a lot of people around me. I have to have talent around me that exceeds mine. So the people that I have around me, they're much smarter. They're much brighter than I am. I just get the fun job of putting them in the right places and, uh, creating that vision. And then the third thing is, is you just never, ever freaking give up. So sounds like you're living by all three. So good job. AJ, thanks for joining me on the show. I know this is going to be great for our listeners out there to, to just be encouraged and challenged. And uh, you may have some excellence visits coming your way because I, I imagine people are going to want to see more about your development path because that sounds very robust, very built out. I love the, the three deep mentality that sounds like that might be coming from the sports world just learning from coaching and um you know that you're always building your bench so good for you um thanks for being on the show thank you thank you for having me appreciate it jay grateful for the opportunity and thanks for everything that you've done to help you we didn't talk about that but you were actually um, a huge reason why i was able to get prepared for coming to markham university and you know you wouldn't say this, but you, you did it pro bono for me. And, and it really helped me see the business at a higher level. And I, I have not forget it or forgotten it, nor will I forget it in the, in the future. So thank you for everything that you've done investing into me and my leaders. Really grateful. Absolutely. It's, it's been a joy. Thanks for your friendship too. Take care, AJ. We'll see you again real soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Jay. Thank you for listening to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, comment, and share. See you next time.
We would like to note that Leaders Q serves individual owner-operators and their teams and is not affiliated, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with Chick-fil-A Incorporated. 